United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Linky, and we got another big time show for you today. If you've been listening to this podcast, I'm not afraid to welcome people on the show that reach out to me and say, hey, I've got a take. I want to be heard. Carson Porter, he's legit, right? He played college soccer in Chapel Hill. He got it done at Wake Forest where they won a national championship where he was a coach. He coached with U.S. soccer for years, some of the top coaches in the country, coached some of the top players in the country. Then he went to Wilmington, coached pro there, ended up where he is right now, the executive director of the Wilmington Hammerheads Youth Football Club. And he's got a hot take on who needs to be where and who needs to be doing what for youth soccer and how we need to differentiate the paper play with the highest level, which would be MLS next. He's got his take and he gives us his take right off the top. I'm also not afraid to salute those that we are saluting. That includes George Perry, a deserving, deserving recipient of the 2020 United Soccer Coaches Honor Award. George Perry, his commitment to United Soccer Coaches, his commitment to soccer in this country, unparalleled. He joins me. We meet another member of our 30 under 30 team, Jessica Ingram. I like her a lot. And we continue our Big 10 and 10 look at women's soccer, Tom Saxton, 30 years as the top man at Michigan State, where he also played for Joe Baum. The all-time leading goal scorer for Michigan State is Laura Hybor, who actually scored a goal while breaking her leg on the Big Ten Network. That's how tough she is. She's the all-time leading goal scorer, all-time leading point scorer, all-time leader in game-winning goals. Tom Saxton and Laura Hybor, Michigan State, Big Ten and Ten to wrap up the show. And it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. We're going to get unleashed on youth soccer and get a fresh take, a new take, as we're joined by Carson Porter, who has 15 plus years experience in the coaching profession that covers every level of the game. After playing collegially at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, he began his coaching career as part of the Capital Area Soccer League, known as Castle and Raleigh. Porter oversaw the equivalent of YFC Juniors program where he created the program's curriculum, guided and educated coaches and implemented programming. Porter was then offered an opportunity that would have a significant impact on his coaching and soccer career. He joined the Wake Forest University men's soccer coaching staff under legendary coach Jay Vidovich in 2004 and spent six successful seasons in Winston-Salem. Porter worked with more than 25 future pro players, including three U.S. men's national team players as Wake Forest established itself as a top 10 program and national contender. During his time at Wake Forest, the team went to three consecutive Final Fours, winning the title in 2007. 
with a team that many consider one of the best in college soccer's history. For his work, Porter was honored as the 2007 National Soccer Coaches Association of America. Remember, we used to call United Soccer Coaches that as the National Assistant Coach of the Year. In 2010, he started working with U.S. Soccer in a full-time role as part of the U.S. Development Academy program and youth national team staff. And he's coached some big-timers along the way, and I think that also gives him that platform. Today, he's the executive director, as we've said, of the Wilmington Hammerheads Youth Soccer Club, where he's overseen consistent and steady improvement throughout the club. I stay connected to him because his brother is the assistant coach for the Tar Heels. I just did the UNC Duke game. He had some comments on that game as well. He's not afraid to let his voice be heard. That's what I like about him. Carson Porter, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks for having me, Dean. It's an honor for sure. Well, and I do love your background because you spent time at youth. You spent time at college. Wake Forest, one of the elite programs, they could win another national championship this year. You spent time at U.S. soccer, including with coaches like Hugo Perez, who we were talking about before we came on the air and coaching great young players that you'll tell us more about. But we've kept in touch and you've said, you know, hey, if you ever want a fresh take on youth soccer, I'm ready to give it. So I'm taking you up on that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right what all right. is your fresh take on u.s soccer because a lot has changed the da's gone away ecnl is kind of filling the gap right now you know mls is going to step up what's your take my man well great well uh, let's see here i think my take is is that we're close my my, my take is an optimistic one but it's a, and, and i think it's really i mean I, I like i like puzzles i like putting puzzles uh, you know together just in general but i like you know in our club and and I think that we've got the pieces of the puzzle, but they've all got to line up. And right now they're not lined up. So I think that, you know, so that's where it starts. So I'll just kind of give you, you know, kind of the quick thoughts on that. The, the pieces of the puzzle that need to line up is obviously youth soccer clubs, our MLS Academy clubs, because I do think that there's a, a distinguishment there. Um, and this is on the boys' side, and I'm happy to talk to the girls, but let's, let's start on the, on the boys' side. Our youth, our youth soccer clubs, our MLS Academy clubs, our college programs, and then obviously our professional league. And I think, you know, for me, we're close and they've all got to connect. And I think there's some things that we need to do as a, as a community to connect. And I think there's, all, there's, there's several ways to do it and I'll, I'll, maybe I'll go into it, but I think it starts with, you know, some sort of summit, some sort of moment. I think I always have a lot of, I, I just, I get, I get, I get a lot of success just looking people in the eye. And I think, I'm just, and again, and I, this is, I want to make sure that I always say I'm, I'm, there are pieces that, you know, I'm not the expert on this, but I think getting people in a room that represent all of these pieces and having them look people in the eye and, and start talking about it, I think that's where we start. I'll dive into a little bit of kind of what that, what does that, what does that actually mean? So I think the first thing, and maybe, you know, slightly controversial, if you want to go there. I think that there is, I, I think that we need to distinguish between youth soccer clubs and MLS Academy clubs on the boys' side. And I think the distinguishment is very simple. It is when a player is paying for a service and when a player is an investment. Uh, and so when we're talking about paying for a service, so we're the Wilmington Hammerheads Youth Soccer Club, we're a 501c3, uh, we're a nonprofit organization, and parents and, and pay for play. And you hear that constant challenge of pay for play, which I'm happy to talk about a little bit more. Then we have obviously the MLS Academy clubs. The MLS Academies, which is a such a, a, a very cool thing, is when we started the Development Academy, the U.S. Development Academy, 
the only difference between MLS Academy and, and a youth soccer club uh, was the jersey that they wore. I mean, there wasn't any difference. In, in, and I'm talking about 2007, 2006. And what is a, a lot of people deserve a lot of a, a lot of credit is that the MLS Academy has separated themselves. They have done a lot of really, really good things. And now there is a significant difference about what an MLS Academy you know, looks like. And there are exceptions. Don't get me wrong. But what an MLS Academy looks like uh, versus versus a youth soccer club. And I think it starts with whether you're paying for a service or whether uh, you're an investment. And I think that's a, that's a big difference. That's my first start. I think to go from there, here, here's where I go. And this is where, you know, this is maybe a little bit more controversial or, and I, ha- I certainly have a, an opinion. I don't think that, that youth soccer clubs and club that, that pay a fee, that pay a service and clubs that, that have pl- MLS clubs that, ha- that are an investment, I don't think that they should mix. I don't think that 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 is that is not for me. That's not where that's not the right thing to do. And so, you know, my disappointment is when the DA folded um, the MLS next. And and again, I, I love the MLS. I, I'm a huge fan. I I, I I watch most every game and just can't say enough good things about it. But I think MLS next missed an opportunity to make the MLS academies exclusive, because you know, exclusive sometimes comes with a you know, we shouldn't, uh, you know, we don't want to be exclusive. I think the MLS academies absolutely should be exclusive. What does that look like on a, on a weekend basis? You know, for example, you know, and, and MLS Charlotte isn't the greatest example just because they're brand new, but so let's just, you know, let's imagine that MLS Charlotte has, has, has been in the league for, for five years and they've got things off and running the way that the MLS Charlotte should interact with the Wilmington Hammerheads is we should play once a year. We should play one game a year. And our coaching staff should stand on the sidelines in a friendly, you know, sort of disposition and talk about players. We should not compete against each other because it is not the same. And if we have a player, whenever that may be, that, that, that it gets invited to MLS Charlotte, we should shake hands. We should be really excited about it and we should move them on. And so then I go back to, okay, so, you know, and then I, then I get back to it. So I think MLS should be exclusive. And I think the ECNL and the, and the DA, and obviously I'm a fan of the ECNL and I like what it's done for our club, but whatever, you know, whatever that name, the ECNL, you know, positions itself or whatever that may be, it doesn't have to be ECNL, but it seems like that's the, that's the group that can probably do it the quickest and the best. The ECNL positions itself as a youth soccer, the top youth soccer league in the country. And then obviously the MLS teams are communicating, they're having relationships, they're playing friendlies. Because again, I think where, where the DA, you know, where the DA got a little bit off is when the, the, the gap, you know, the MLS Academy's got way better and the gap just got too big. And, and so I still keep going back to the MLS Academy should be exclusive. Uh, and so, you know, that's kind of my, and so that's where I go back to this craziness. We had COVID craziness and then, and then the DA folds like right in the middle when it's, you know, the most, you know, the craziest time. So I'm obviously on the phone with a lot of people, NCFC Academy in your neck of the woods and, and many others talking about their status. And I guess, and then the MLS next comes out and starts including what I call service um, youth soccer clubs, fee-based youth soccer clubs. And I just don't think that they should be, they should be mixed. There's an argument against this. If someone disagrees with anything, what they would say is, well, we need, we need those fee-based clubs because of our territory and our, and our country, because our country is too big. That's a fair point. And, I, and I, I, don't, I don't really have a solution for that, but it just goes back to where I'm at, which is 
If you are paying for a service, which is a fee-based youth soccer club, you have to be separated from those that are, um, that are investments. Because when you're an investment, it's a whole different deal. As a player, as a family, and, you know, obviously, and as a, a technical director or, or, or a MLS club. So if I'm understanding you correctly, when you're talking about MLS Next being exclusive, what you really mean, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, is right now ECNL stepped up after the demise of the DA. MLS Next is over here saying, hey, we're going to have all these academy teams, but we still want to touch, quote, ECNL and some of the other clubs. You're saying if you're going to touch us, do it in a way where we're sharing ideas and it's more of a one-off. Other than that, you do your thing, we do our thing. 100% because the MLS, yeah, you, you've got it right. Because And just to finish that point, because the MLS should be where all of our kids should be aspiring to go. You know, so you have a moment and the, these have happened and these are big, these are bigger markets, you know, but you have a moment where a youth soccer club, let's just use that term, where a youth soccer club played, because we'll talk in the past with the, in the development academy, played against an MLS academy and got a result. And so, you know, and this goes back to, you know, development versus results. We put all of this weight into results. So what do you think the, the coach and the technical director and the guy that's taken this, this fee from, this play, from a player who's being courted by the MLS is going to say? He's going to say, hey, man, you're doing, you, 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 we, just, we just tied them. We just beat them. Why, why do you need to go? Why do you need to go there? And the answer, the answer is because that's the pathway to be a pro. And if there's a player that, ha that needs to be on that pathway, you need to support them. It's tricky, though, because when you, when you become competitive, so the MLS next and the DA, but the MLS next, these guys are all going to play youth soccer clubs against MLS clubs. And they're going in soccer, you know how there are going to be results that don't make any sense. And so we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be doing that. I, I, and I know that, that that's controversial, I suppose, because someone's going to say, well, why would I send my kid to, to this place? And the answer is because that's the pathway. Because if your kid is being identified from an MLS club, then they need to go. Now, there are exceptions, and, and I, we can get into that. And I think NCFC is actually one of the exceptions, which is, you know, which is one of them. But um, that's, you know, that's what I think. Well, they are an exception. I think Louisville City is an exception. I think Orange County is an exception. And there's other like that where they consider the USL almost as good as MLS. Clearly, it's not. MLS is up here. USL is underneath it. But when you look at NCFC and you see Dre Fortune and Nazmi Abadawi and DJ Taylor, they all came up through that system. You mentioned Lucas Del Rosario. If he doesn't make an MLS team, they'll be a great option. So how do they all work together? The exceptions for me, and, and I, again, I have a lot a great respect for all the, the people involved, a lot of good friends of the clubs that you just named. The, those, are the, those are the exceptions. And I don't exactly, you know, I'm, I, I don't, you know, what I would say, and I, I kind of go back to, and again, I don't, I want to be very careful. Not, I'm not telling people what to do or how, how to go about it. What I would say is that if there is a pro pathway uh, in, within your club, then, then, then the consideration needs to be made of what are you going to be within your youth system? Are you going to be, are you going to, are these players going to be investments or are they going to pay fees? It's very tricky because I, like NCFC is one. And again, I'm a, I'm a huge fan and, and I, they do, they do, they do a great job, but they have, they have combined their, 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 um, their USL club with their, with their nonprofit organization but it, but when you do when you when you really formally they are still separate entities, 
So that's where it's tricky. And that's where I, you know, again, I, I want to be very, I, I don't want to get on, on, onto that, but that's where it's tricky because um, it, it goes into other things that I'm not an expert on. Well, you're right. They are separate entities, you know, run by separate people that try to collaborate and share ideas, but really, you know, one's running the pro club and one's running the academy. They try to cross reference like John Bradford's done a good job being a connector. What about at Wilmington, where Wilmington has long been a staple program in the USL? What about where your future goals are with that pipeline? I mean, so I mean, that's probably and that's probably where some of this some of these opinions are formed. So obviously, you know, we our USL team left. Um, and I think the, the quick story is that, you know, the USL raised their game and and, and 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 the link to MLS was was important and just just overall the popular of the sport and everybody raising their game as far as resources and stuff and um, and we you know we were sad but but I think it, the writing was on the wall where you know a market like Wilmington wasn't able to be a, in part of the USL pro um, I think there is some some conversations about you know the other levels of, of USL so I guess I mean the, you know to answer your question we would love to have have a have a group in here um, I think the, the market that's probably similar is like a Greenville um, that's doing a pretty good job with John Harks and that USL2, I think it is, um, where what we would do is, is a lot of what NCFC does and, and a lot of what, you know, some of these, we would, we, would, we would link up as much as we could. But I think, you know, if I'm answering sort of the question that I pose, we would definitely remain um, and, and, and will, would remain a, um, you know, a service, a service youth soccer club. Uh, and and they would they would work under their USL umbrella. We would obviously do everything you said with with the John Bradfords and even their players and and use that and pass our you know give our teenagers a chance who are doing really well um, to to play with them uh, and develop them. But we would still stay in the space of a, of a youth soccer club. But you know again I keep as, I, as even as I talk th those are the ones that are tricky. And I, I think those, those are the ones that are exceptions and might need a sep you know, they need a separate conversation and a sort of a separate kind of, you know, separate group to talk about. But I think when I'm talking about, you know, the Wilmington Hammerheads with minus USL or, or you know, and I, you, you name a youth soccer club uh, in, in MLS Next or in EC, you know, those are the ones that I'm really going, you know, we need to be, we need to be what we are and we need to do really well doing what we do. Um, so the, and, and the MLS needs to be really well doing what they do. Um, and, and yeah, there, it's not completely black and white and there are, there are a few, a few exceptions. Carson Porter. I like that comment. We need to be who we are. You need to be who you are. And we mentioned this different path that you have taken, right? We talked about being at North Carolina, then working with Castle, then going to Wake Forest, then going to U.S. soccer, then finding your way to Wilmington. And now you're an executive director, which you're probably still coaching a little bit, but man, you got a hot, lot more headaches to deal with being an executive director. Tell us why you chose that path and how you ended up here when you were doing some neat things everywhere you've been. Yeah, no, that I, I appreciate that question. I, and I think I've talked a little bit with United Soccer coaches about maybe um, doing a presentation about soccer as a career because, you know, it's not a linear thing. It's not, I'm going to do this and then I go and do this and then I go, go and do this. I think you've got you've, you've to figure out what works for you, you know, and I, I can say, you know, and, and I'm really proud of what I've done. I'm, I, this is my, this is what I, I'm, more, I'm most proud of. I guess I'm enjoying my work the most and I'm feeling I'm, I'm making the, the biggest contribution in my role 
um, as an executive director in Wilmington. And you could make an argument that that might be, you know, the, the you know, the non-sexiest, uh, you know, job that I've had. Um, so I guess, you know, the, the quick story is, is life takes you places and, and you're in certain places in your 20s and you're in certain places in your 30s. And then you, uh, you know, you have family and you get married and, and you've got to figure out what you do well. And so um, I think that I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good manager of people. Um, I'm a pretty good organizer. I like to have creative ideas and, and unique thoughts. And so um, the chance to influence a lot of, a lot of players um, really appealed to me. And then, and then kind of going back to my times, like I have so much respect for, for coaching staffs in the college game because I, I, you know, I, it, it's all in. I mean, you're thinking about those 36 players and working towards helping them in all aspects of their lives. And the, the work that they do is awesome. Got, you know, you know, the Carolina staff and, and the Wake Forest staff and those guys I follow. But beyond that, I mean, I've got a lot of great friends in the game. Um, and so that is that that is something I have huge props for. And then the youth game, you know, the, the international game when I work for U.S. soccer, I think the best thing it really just it took me to a different place in terms of not only in my head, but you know, I, that was international, that was the international game. So I traveled all the time and I was in national team camps all the time. And I went, I, I traveled the world. And so I always sort of, I'm, I, that really opened my eyes to, you know, to, to, a, to a broader, a lot of things going on within, within the game and, and kind of helped me formed opinions. Um, and so, you know, I guess to kind of go back to, you know, you're in certain moments at certain time, I think for me, you know, I had a chance after the, the Wake Forest. I, I loved Jay and and loved my time at Wake Forest. And and I just I kind of got a little burnt out. We were we were really good for a long, a long period of time. Uh, and that's you know, that's where I got a lot of respect for a lot of people who stay at the top for a long time, because that's not that's not easy. You know, you, it, being expected to win is, is something that, you know, that comes with a lot. Um, I had you know, I had I had a personal relationship that that came into play that that made that made a decision, but a chance to kind of maybe do something different and take a path. I was always, I mean, it's built into me as a person to do, you know, to to consider everything, uh, and so you know, so I did that, and, and then you know, ultimately, I think I kind of landed. I, I worked in the pro in the pro space, so I, I got to I was the coach of the USL team, and you know, again, kind of just. I'm happy to talk. I, I, in, in some ways I got hammered, um, you know? And so when you go back to, you know, what's your path, I learned very quickly that being a professional coach comes with a lot of different things that, you know, I don't, I don't, and, and different from college, because I think, you know, college, you know, I, I think I would be suited for, or was suited for, you know, the pro team is very different. And then you take pro team and you also go to, you know, in that time, and this was six years ago, you go to, a USL environment where it's challenging. The resources aren't there. The locker rooms aren't there. What what, what are we doing? I, I was running out getting pregame meals at a, 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 in, in the middle of Toronto before we played Toronto FC and I'm the head coach, you know? So like, those are kind of things that you, you just kind of, you start thinking about it. But, but ultimately I got really challenged as a pro coach. I was able to, I didn't want to leave Wilmington. I didn't want to leave North Carolina. My, my wife and I were starting a family and, and I coached youth soccer throughout my time as a pro. And I was able to land, um, you know, to land in this role. And, I, and I've, I've loved every minute of it. So long answer, but, uh, but absolutely kind of a, a, a valid question, relevant question. Yeah, it wasn't that long and it was on point. Two more questions for Carson Porter, the executive director for 
Wilmington Hammerheads Youth FC. And if you missed his open, that's why I'm bringing this question back. As you mentioned, you settled in Wilmington with your wife, Jenna. Twin daughters live in Lila. You obviously love it there. But as you're sitting there, the really important part of you joining was you have a take right now. MLS Next is in their final steps. I'm going to ask you real quickly, just in 30 seconds, to say what you really want to have happen. Some of it will be repetitive, but in case anybody missed your opening comments, what's your biggest message? Let's all get linked together. Let's all get let's let's all get in the room and let's get the right people in the room and, and talk about the, the 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 issues that are coming at it. And, and I know this is short, but I'll, I'll just to quickly touch on uh, the college game comes into this too. And I know Carlos and a lot of the guys in our world have been working really hard in the ten month season. And that is a big, that's a big part of it. But there's also little parts of it, like, you know, like the clock, you know, and counting down. Nobody else does that. Like the substitution rule, which, you know, I've, again, I could, I could talk for a half hour on it. But I think we all need to get into the room uh, and, and talk about what spaces we occupy. And then we need to go from there. And, and probably the last piece of that, too, is, is we, we also haven't talked about the pay-to-play model. We haven't talked about making sure that, that soccer is uh, available for, for, for players and that it's not, you know, it's not this upper middle class sport. And, and we don't, you know, that's not an easy conversation either. I mean, no, none of these things are easy and, and, and none of these things are simple, but I think it gets, a, it gives us a chance if we get in the room and understand each other's, you know, positives, negatives, strengths, and weaknesses, and then, and then go from there. Because I think right now you're having a lot of separate conversations and everybody's coming in from their angle. Everybody's, everybody's speaking with their college hat on. Everybody's speaking with their, you know, youth soccer hat on. Everybody's speaking from their MLS Academy hat on and so forth and so on. Um, we need to sit down at the table and get together. All right, let's end with this. I feel like one unifier will be a little bit different this year because the convention will be digital, but one entity that always brings everybody together they don't forget college soccer. They don't even forget high school soccer, which we weren't able to touch on. They definitely bring everybody together. It's United Soccer Coaches. What is that organization meant to you? United Soccer Coaches to me means that we're in this together. Uh, and, and so, you know, we are all, the people in this game are, are really good people. I mean, that, that you know, they, again, there's a lot of banter and we got social media and we've got all this stuff, but generally where you get in, in, in United Soccer Coaches and what you get in, in the game are people who have had a great experience in the game, uh, myself included, as a player in some way, have, have a huge passion for the game, have connected with, with kids and want to help them, and they want to do the best that, the best that they can. They, again, there are exceptions to everything, but that's, that's what United Soccer Coach is. So it's a, it's a group for me to lean on. Uh, it's a group for me to pick up the phone. And, you know, even the, um, you know, I got a phone call from United Soccer Coaches when we were going through COVID. So it's, it's a group that cares about me as well and, and about our club as well. So... I'm certainly grateful for that, no doubt. Grateful to have Carson Porter. He told me he would have a good take. He had a better than good take. He had a great take, and he's a great way to kick off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Carson Porter, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, Dean. I'm a big fan. Thanks for, thanks for you, what you do to support our game. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Speaking of people that have done amazing things, coming up, George Perry, just named as a – United Soccer Coaches Honor Award winner, like Carson Porter, has worked at every level of the game. He's been a college coach, great college player, worked in youth soccer, worked in pro soccer. George Perry, Honor Award winner, up next when we return. 
Registration for the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention is now open. Even though we won't be together in person, the interactive digital event taking place January 11th through 15th, 2021 will still bring the soccer coaching community together for a week of fantastic presenters, diplomas, network opportunities, and more. To register, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. The game hasn't changed, just the game plan. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. As I told you earlier, United Soccer Coach is so proud to announce George Perry III as its 2020 Honor Award recipient in recognition of a distinguished career, tremendous service to the association, and exemplary contributions to the coaching profession and beyond. The award will be presented at the annual award ceremony on Wednesday, January 13th, 2021, as part of the United Soccer Coaches digital convention in his 30 plus years as a united soccer coaches member perry has served in numerous leadership administrative and coaching roles within the association he was a member of the former nscaa board of directors serving as the region one rep from 86 to 91 and later served a term on the association's executive committee from 2010 to 15 and was association president in 2014 when I had the honor of being with him in Europe with Ian Barker and several promising coaches. George Perry served on the association's Youth Long-Term Service Award Committee from 97 to 2003 and was chair of the Jerry Yeagley Award for Exceptional Personal Achievement Committee from 2005 to 15. He's been a member of the National Academy staff since, get this, 1984. And he's been a senior academy staff instructor since 89 and also served as the associate director of coaching from 95 to 2000. Perry began his soccer career as a player and three-time captain at Indiana under legendary Hall of Fame coach Jerry Yeagley. I call him the godfather. He served as an assistant coach for the Indiana men's and women's club programs from 77 to 82. He was the head men's coach at the University of Rochester from 83 to 89 head men's coach at St. Bonnie from 89 to 94 and later had stints as the head men's soccer coach at Wabash College from 2000 to 2005 and Monmouth College from 2006 to 2012. Just a little bit more on George as he has also been very active in the youth game. He was a New York West ODP coach from 91 to 94 and Indiana State Youth Association coach from 94 to 96 coordinator of the U6 program for the Crawfordsville Indiana Youth Soccer System from 2005 and was an Indiana Boys ODP coach from 01 to 05. He also served on the AYSO National Coaching Advisory Board since 2001 and is currently the commissioner of the Indiana Soccer League, a position he has held since 2012. Awarded annually since 1942, the Honor Award is one of United Soccer Coaches' most prestigious accolades. George Perry becomes the 81st recipient of the award in the association's storied history. George, just 81 people can say they have received the honor award from United Soccer Coaches. First off, delighted to be with you, but you more than anybody, I gotta believe, know how special this recognition is. Thank you for having me, Dean. And, and yes, um, it is, um, it's really been hard to put into words right now, even after I've known about this for a little while, because I've been fortunate enough to get to know a number of those 80 uh, people prior to myself uh, that are on, on this, uh, that have received this award. And to be able to be at least privileged enough to be on the list with them is just mind blowing to me. 
Well, as I read your bio, you've been involved in some incredible moments. You also ran your own programs. You hung out with the Godfather, as I like to call them. You've traveled the world. You have been a senior staff member. You stepped up when there was a gap there for a while with United Soccer Coaches. So all kinds of great moments. But I got to believe that whether it was an email or a phone call, when they said, hey, George, you're up next for the honor award, do you remember what you were doing? I find it rather humorous. Steve Veal, um, longtime servant of the association in the national office, calls me up and says that the uh, Ray Sieplick and the foundation are awarding Jerry Yeagley another award and they needed some background that they did not feel they could um, give. And he said, let me see if I can get George on a Zoom uh, call with us and, and go from there. Well, and as you know, as you would as well, um, if there's anything related to Yeggs, uh, the answer is yes. Um, and so I do it. And, and ironically, that night, I'm telling my wife about my schedule the next morning. And I go, and, and I'm on this call with Steve Veal and Ray Sieplick and, and somebody from the, and people from the foundation. And they're giving Yeggs another award. I have no idea what award he could possibly be getting that he doesn't already have. And they must, this COVID times, they're making something up just to keep everybody busy. And uh, that was the hook that they got me on. And, and uh, those two, plus, uh, plus Kevin Sims, our current president, um, were on the call. And they said, well, you know, Kevin, Kevin's taken over this meeting. And that's when they basically uh, surprised me. So I was, I was at home. I was um, in my home office. Not this one where I'm, I am right now, but uh, in my home office. And um, it just it, it took my breath away. There's no doubt about it. Give Steve Veal credit. He's such a decorated and he's so prim and proper, but he's not afraid to pull one over on you, right? <laughs> right he did very well. I, I owe him, but in a good way. <laughs> what is it about this association, George? Because there was a time even between directors of coaching education where you were like, all right, I'll step in. I'll do whatever it takes. What is it about this association that drives you to do things like that? It's it's all the members, really. It's 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 the history of the members, and and I think the new members that are coming forward, um, you know, for the most part, when you think about our membership and when you think about soccer coaches in this country, a vast vast majority of them are volunteer people who do this out of service for the love of their own kids, the love of the game. They might have all different reasons why they're doing it, but they step up and they serve. And uh, I think my parents taught me that to do that type of stuff. Um, I certainly learned that from the years I spent at Indiana with with uh, with Jerry and, and and all the people that are connected with that program, um, and it just it just rubs off on you and it feels good. And uh, I you know my first convention was in 1982, and I can remember just being a young pup, just listening, never said a word to anybody um, in any meetings or things like that, but just was in awe of the names of the people that I happened to just be able to sneak in the room to be a part of, you know, and things like that. And so. When you see, I've been around it for a little bit now, and you you constantly see what people will always do. Um, it, it's easy to do because there, there are quite a few that have done it. Somebody like you who gets an honor award, I know without a doubt you will honor those that helped you get to this point where you yourself would receive an honor award. So let's start. You use that reference, young pup. Let's start as a youth player. Are there one or two names that come to mind as coaches that made an impact on you as a youth player? I'm talking pre-Indiana. Sure. Well, my, my first exposure to soccer really was when I we moved to Chicago area up in, up in Wilmette, Illinois, 
And uh, in the fifth grade is when I started playing soccer at, at the at the lower school, middle school, whatever they call them now, um, and going from there. But when I got in, and, and a lot of made a lot of good friends uh, through that. One gentleman, Dave Patterson, who's who's a lifelong friend of mine. Uh, he's a clinical uh, psychologist out in um, Seattle, Washington, right now. And we went actually went and played college soccer together for a season. Um, um, you know, every Friday night, our parents, Friday, and Saturday night, our parents could find us under the spotlight by Evoca Junior High because that's where we hung out with our friends and just kicking a ball around. And, and that's what we did. But when I got, when I got to high school, uh, there was a gentleman named Ihor Kutinsky, a Ukrainian, who was a um, history teacher. He actually ran the sophomore soccer program at my high school. Um, pretty amazing, actually. I went to Nutria West High School. And in those days, we had six boys high school soccer teams. And we had two girls soccer teams, which back in the early 70s was kind of unheard of. Uh, but it was a large school. But Ihor was just a, a fanatic about the game. We still talk about once a week. Um, he's retired in North Carolina right now. Um, but he certainly taught, he, he instilled the passion of the game in me. Um, got me connected with uh, a lot of the inner, the inner city club, Lions uh, soccer club that I learned so much from. Um, I look on Wikipedia now and I find out that I actually played with got, got five guys that had been capped by the U.S. national team uh, way back in the day. And so uh, that exposure uh, and that friendship that that I that we grew through him, through my high school friends was just, you know, no doubt. We had a we had two other coaches, uh, Larry Maddox and uh, Jack. Um, I'm, I'm spacing Jack's last name and then Sandy Swan, the varsity coach. Um, not especially soccer guys, but they, they just love teaching. They love the thing. And, and, uh, and Ihor was the soccer, you know, connection for that whole thing. So uh, that's kind of where that all got started um, uh, as far as, you know, prior to Indiana. And, um, and then once I eventually got to Indiana, um, gosh, the sky's the limit coming from Indiana. Yeah. What made you pick Indiana? Like what was your first introduction to Jerry Yagley and who was your second choice? If you didn't go to Indiana, where would you have gone, George? Well, well actually I went to another school first. Um, when I came out, when I came out, Indiana had just started varsity. So it wasn't, they weren't really doing much recruiting or anything like that, uh, at least in the Chicago area. Uh, so I went to the university of Alabama Huntsville. Uh, there was a Ukrainian coach there named Ostap Stromecki. And you talk about something funny, a Ukrainian with a Southern accent was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Um, basically went down there sight unseen, stayed for a trimester, you know, had fun, probably too much fun, um, <laughs> and decided that really wasn't what I wanted. And I came back home and, and then, you know, played back club soccer again. And then eventually it was uh, between um, Indiana University and University of South Florida were the two schools that I was down to um, go to. But once I visited Indiana, that was there, were, there was no more discussion. I mean, when you really met Coach Yaley in person and and uh, it was a high school teammate of mine who was coming to Kerry Feld, um, who was our goalkeeper back in 1976 when we won the or we went, when we went to the finals, he was going there. And he says, George, why don't you look at, you know, transferring to Indiana? And I went with him. And as far as soccer is concerned, no doubt the best decision I've ever made in my life. Well, I'm sure soccer and also personally, because it's such a great family and here you've got this great leadership and I got to believe at some point along the line, I don't know if it was as a player or when you decided to move into coaching, he introduced you to United soccer coaches. I, I got to believe Jerry Yeagley was the one that tipped your hat to United soccer coaches. Maybe I have that wrong, George. No, absolutely right. The convention was in Chicago. I was, uh, when I finished playing, uh, my last season was 77. I still had a 
quite a few credits uh, to go to, to finish my undergrad. I did play for the Indianapolis Daredevils uh, in the old ASL way back when uh, for, for a season or two, and then, um, but was continuing my education, helping out as an assistant, coaching the women's club team. Uh, but when the uh, convention was in Chicago in 1982, he says, you need to come to this. Um, it's, it's an experience. Um, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to meet, make some incredible connections. And uh, he had already started sending me on my pathway through my coach for my coaching licenses uh, in the day. Actually, 82 was when the NSCAA in the day um, first decided to start the NSCAA coaching academy. Um, so prior to that, I was going through my federation C, B, and, and A licenses. And, and that was all courtesy of Jerry Yegley and, and Indiana University, Indiana soccer camps, a little bit of everything. It's only fitting because 82 was the first time that Jerry Yegley got a star, that incredible eight overtime win over Duke. And 82, everything's happening for you. So there's, 82 means a lot. Yep. As a matter of fact, at that convention, he introduced me to John Reeves, who at the time was the athletic director at the University of Rochester. And uh, the next fall, I was the head coach at the University of Rochester. All right. So what did you enjoy most about coaching at college soccer and what made you finally decide, you know what, I like youth soccer. That's where I'm going to hang my hat in my in my later years. I don't know if there's one or the other one. I certainly miss right now coaching on the field with players and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, just the just the opportunity to to um, meet new players, um, to try to help maybe guide them to discover new ways of playing or, or, or new friendships. Um, if nothing came from this COVID situation, the number of Zoom calls I've had with past teams, past schools and stuff like that has been tremendous. And, and the longtime friendships that I have gotten from them, from my past players has been tremendous. But, but coaching was just always something that was challenging. It was a way of keeping me involved in the game. Um, I think, I don't think anyone will ever tell you about George Perry playing soccer, about his incredible athleticism and skill and all this kind of stuff. But I think I was a fairly smart soccer player. So, and I talked a lot. So I kept myself out of trouble by making sure the guys around me did all the good stuff for me. Um, but that was just a direct connection to get into coaching. And certainly uh, Don Rawson at Indiana, who was an assistant at the, at the time when I was there, got me involved with youth coaching um, in Bloomington. Uh, in the in the town program, uh, and that was uh, just so much fun to do. I really got a lot of a lot of enjoyment out of that. And really, um, after the University of Rochester, um, every university or college that I coached at, I ran their their youth programs in our off season. So I, I've never not been connected with uh, the youth soccer game. I almost feel like saying you've never not been connected as a big time academy coach or, or United Soccer Coaches staff coach, better said, as you started really early. You've worked with a ton of directors of coaching education. You basically filled that role for a while as well. Can you drop in some of those names that you've worked with over the years? Because here's what I picture, George. I picture you guys getting it done, grooming the next coaches. I also picture incredible discussions around a few adult cocktails over the years as well. Well, you know, if you, you talk about the irony, you, you talk about the, the, the friendships and the camaraderie of the United Soccer Coaches group, um, it couldn't be better put than to say that in, you know, uh, 1984, right about that, Jim Lennox, who at the time was the coach at Hartwick College, who was, our, who was the first time full-time director of coaching for the NSCA at that time, um, invited, to be, invited me to be on the academy staff. And, you know, Hartwick and Indiana had already done some head-to-head uh, -head budding in the uh, national championships and, 
and 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 uh, and things like that. Uh, matter of fact, I still get um, periodic free uh, Christmas cards from Jeff Tipping um, with a little diagram of something happened in our national semifinal that we won't want to get into too much here. You know, that was a tremendous. So certainly Jim Lennox, and to this day, Jim is still a great mentor, but even a better friend um, to me. And 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 that's been tremendous. Uh, Mike Berticelli, um, you know, former director of coaching, coach at Notre Dame, um, just incredible. He used to uh, I, I, it was when I first learned that things can be done more than one way. Cause I can remember watching him do a session at the university of Binghamton in upstate New York. And then he it's, it's a defending session. And then he sees me over there and he pulls me over in front of the candidates. He says, now, George, even though it's wrong, why don't you show that? Why don't you show them how you guys do it in Indiana and stuff like that. And so it was, it was kind of a fun thing that, you know, he was his way. Yeggs taught us a certain way. Um, it's not so much a right or wrong. You find out what works for your players and, and you, and you make it work. Um, so that was tremendous. Uh, Mike Parsons, Jeff tipping, um, all these guys, um, I've just, I've learned so much from them along the line. And then, you know, all of the Academy staff from, you know, Peter Gooding, Jeff Fennell, Paul Payne, I can just, I could list a hundred guys that, uh, and, and, and women that have been just tremendous in, 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 in what we've, what we've, uh, what we've done as an association and certainly what have taught me to um, I hope be a little better leader um, along the way in different things that I've, I've, uh, I've tackled and, uh, and, and they've helped me tremendously. What a great transition because you talk about a great leader. Some coaches, they just want to coach. They just want to be out there and they want to put the cones down and get to business. But you wanted to be a leader. You wanted to have a leadership role with United Soccer Coaches. In fact, you wanted to be one of the presidents of United Soccer Coaches. Talk about that big decision. Well, you know, early on again, uh, when I was in upstate New York is when I got started on the on the uh, board of directors as a regional rep and stuff like that. And so um, my only my only failing there was I think I had uh, New York West, PA West, and somehow I had Puerto Rico in my list, but I never got a chance to get a trip to Puerto Rico. So that's that's the only negative thing I can say about the NSCA back in the day. But um, from watching Joe Maroney run a board of directors meeting um, all the way through the list of presidents that I've you know been been fortunate enough to be a part of their boards um, or on the board of directors with them. Um, I just learned, learned so much from it. And I, I like to think of myself of trying to be nowadays, at least trying to be a consensus builder. And that's what I thought my role uh, eventually would be with the um, NSCA then United soccer coaches now uh, on the board of directors was to try to build a direct a, a consensus and try to help us go in, in, a, in a common direction. You're a consensus builder. You're driven. You want to educate. You're also caring. I think you also are sensitive. I'm kind of a sappy guy. There's probably no one more sappy than Ralph Polson. Where are you going to fall in between there as you give your speech, George? How many tears are we looking at here, my man? What do you think? Uh, there'll be it'll be a few. There'll be a few. Um, there's no doubt about it. Even when I'm on the phone with people, it still happens. I, I my kids my kids make fun of me all the time for watching the Hallmark Channel, Dean. So I'll, I'll just put it right out there, and and and, it, and it's there. So. Um, you know, I, 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 I go with it and I'm, I'm not afraid of it. Um, my father was never one that kind of shared a whole lot of emotions. And I think I've tried to swung, not tried to swing the other way, but I've, I've swung the other direction. So, um, it is, but 
I think when I do that, it's it's either about family or friends, so it's all good. Amen. Hey, for somebody who lists the notebook as my top five movies, I'm right there with you, my man. I got, <laughs> I got your back, and I'll probably be crying with you when you're up there as well. As I look forward to being a part of it. George Perry, 2020 United Soccer Coaches Honor Award winner. Congratulations, George. Can't wait for that special moment on January 13. You deserve it. Well done, my man. Thank you very much for having me, Dean. Greatly appreciate your support and everything that you do for soccer and the United Soccer Coaches. Thank you. Great memories with George Perry. As I mentioned, it was with him in 2014 when United Soccer Coaches went over with a bunch of Ohio University students and George Perry was there as the president. In fact, as I was doing this interview, he had the scars from the countries that we were in, Germany and Belgium and Holland and France hanging right behind him, reminding me of what a great time it was to spend time with George Perry, a deserving, deserving winner of the Honor Award and a great part of the association's history. How about the future? We meet another 30 under 30 member, Jessica Ingram, when we return. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced diplomas for more information. Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, my favorite part of the show. As you've heard me often say, as we get to meet more of our outstanding members of the 30 under 30 class, we're starting to break it down with the newest members. And today we're so pleased to be joined by Jessica Ingram, who is the assistant coach now in her second season, junior college, De Anza College up there in beautiful Northern California, where she's also spent four years as part of the Palo Alto Soccer Club. Jessica Ingram, part of the great 30 under 30s. Welcome to the podcast, Jessica. Thank you for having me. Well, I love your energy, which means you were excited about applying for this 30 under 30 class. What drove you to apply? Why did you want to be a part of this class? For the most part, it was more of networking, getting the opportunity to work with coaches that have obviously had the experience, have been around, um, and just opening my perspective of uh, being a coach Obviously, when you're a player, you see different perspectives, you get to experience different coaches. Um, but it's definitely interesting to earn other coaches' respects as a coach versus a player. Well, you mentioned a player. You were a good one. You played in college. You were a center back as well. But let's go to your youth days. Where did you play in youth and what coaches kind of inspired you to want to play at a higher level? So for youth, I played at multiple clubs. I played at Danza with Danza Force, played with South San Jose, which was a small club that I started off with. Um, played for Alma Den, and then ended up playing for MVLA for four years under Albert T. Montoya, and then also went and played with Las Gatas leading into college. 
those are some big time names. Of course, Albertine Montoya is legendary out there as well. And, you know, and he used to coach professionally. Everybody loves him for sure. And clearly you love the area because if you were with the Anza back then and you stayed around, that's home for you. Definitely. Absolutely. It's a nice area. And there's just so many clubs to pick from in the sense of just who you're playing, the level you're playing. Um, and then just so many different coaches that have been around or new coaches. That's nice to just be able to run into old players, old teammates. So many colleges to pick for you. What made you decide to play collegially at San Jose state? For me, uh, my junior year, my family had a little rough hitch with, um, going unemployed, whatnot. And so I definitely wanted to stay close to home. Uh, San Jose state was a school that provided, it was a D one school at the, like still is, um, but the program itself had guaranteed helping me with academics, um, helping me making sure that I had the resources needed uh, as my family was going in and out of different things. Um, so for my college career, I had gone through a lot of just different experiences, good and bad. And it was really nice to be home. And they allowed me to stay home and help my family out with finances. So it was a bit more of that. And then I also had the opportunity to play with a lot of my friends growing up. So the whole class of us, I think there was 11 in our freshman class, at least eight of us had either grown up playing with each other or against each other. So with that greatest memories and greatest mentors or even friends, you know, we like to drop names as well, but your greatest memory at San Jose state, and it'll probably include some of those names that you want to drop in there. Yeah, definitely. So uh, a huge thanks to Craig Winans. I mean, he was the coach that recruited me. Uh, he helped me throughout college. He's probably the one reason I even got into coaching and even considered it. And then there's also Chris Beeler, who coached me during the summer um, through when we weren't in season. Um, but for the most part, it was a lot of my friends uh, that just helped me be a better person and be a better version of myself. Um, so many names to pick from that I feel bad if I pick one or the other, Good move. but for me, it was those two coaches definitely played a huge factor in just who I became as a coach and who I wanted to become as a coach. Definitely. Thank you for them. You left San Jose state with what kind of degree? And when you left San Jose state, did you already know you wanted to be a coach? Uh, great question. So I left with kinesiology major, uh, bachelor degree. Uh, when I left, I originally wanted to be a physical therapist. I knew at the end of the day, all I wanted to do was help people. Um, I wanted to make a huge difference, not only in our community, but, um, just anything I could do. And I, when I was going through, when I was a freshman software, had no idea if I wanted to be a coach. I started volunteering with bossy, um, which is the barrier women's group. And through that experience, I just fell in love with working with kids. I knew I had a good relationship with them. Um, I knew I saw from what they were doing, different things that I wanted to do as a coach um, and potentially goals in the future. And so I started getting into coaching a little bit after I graduated and then just couldn't find myself leaving. I just felt like it was such a big, big part to be a part of kids, like influencing them with everybody's nowadays being on their phones, being involved with different things, the pressure kids go through with academics, whatnot. Um, so it helped me just get a little bit more below the surface and become a little bit more self-aware of who I wanted to be and who I was at the time. And I think kids bring the best out of us and sometimes the worst, but uh, sarcasm usually solves that. And um, 
yeah, I just, I've been very fortunate enough to have such phenomenal teams, like so many supportive families and parents and teams. And as long as we're all bought into the same goal, we're all working towards something, which is awesome and teaches kids a lot of life lessons. So I'm a big fan of people that like to have balance and like to do different things. I mean, I like to be involved in multiple sports. Obviously, soccer is where I, I hang my hat, but I like to always be busy. I like the fact that you're coaching at a junior college, making a difference for these young women as they go to their next step, but that you also dedicated so much time to the Palo Alto Soccer Club with the younger girls. How much do you enjoy that balance? I love it. So I, with Palo Alto, I have currently coaching the 2012s and 2008 teams. Uh, and so the 2012s are just a ton of little kids that are just excited to learn, excited to have fun. And with the 08s, we, I've grown up, like I've been with most of them for almost three to four years now. And so to see these kids develop, to see them grow, um, and then also getting like the JC perspective, I did not go to play for JC, but my sister did. And I know that she really enjoyed that experience. And I think that's often a school that's overlooked. A lot of kids go to, they want to play for D1s, D2s. And I think as a coach, it's important for us to understand all the different levels and be able to explain that to the kids. So whether it's, they're not sure what they want to do and they want to go to a JC, they have that outlet. And if they want, if they can go straight into a D1 or a D2 or even a D3 school, it's important for them to know their options. And I don't think, we, I, I don't think I've uh, had that experience of learning that just the different perspectives. I think it's often looked down upon when you're going to a JC and I, I've seen these players, I've seen them grow. I've seen the experiences. A lot of these players are working full-time uh, while going to school and you just learn so much about their life and whether it's just giving them a hug and telling them that you're proud of them or sitting down with them and having an in-depth conversation of how you can genuinely help them in the long run. And I think that is different that you don't get to see with the kids as much as you do with the younger adults. And in time with our 30 under 30 member of the week, Jessica Ingram. And Jessica, we started by asking about why you wanted to be part of this 30 under 30. You've been candid and transparent in the fact that you also decided to stay around Northern California to be with your family as they encountered some difficulties. You just mentioned your sister as well. When they found out that you were in this 30 under 30 class, how proud were they? Oh, they were so stoked. When I applied, they I kind of kept it as a hush-hush because I didn't know if I'd get in. I knew there was a ton of applicants going in. And once I told them, they were just so excited and so supportive. And uh, family and friends, all of them, all they just want the best. And they, even though they obviously say they had no doubt in their mind I'd get it, you always doubt. And it's without them, I don't think I'd be the coach I am today. So, yeah, they're very excited. <laughs> all right, to end it. What do you want to get out of this incredible experience with United Soccer Coaches? And where do you see yourself perhaps in 10 years? Big double question there for you. Yeah. So the biggest thing I want to take out of it is just the opportunity to grow, understanding different perspectives of the game, understanding different coaching philosophies and their understanding. And obviously all of our understandings are based off of our experiences. So I hope to grow in those experiences and memories within all the candidates in the 30 under 30 and um, all the coaches that we'll be working with. Um, when it comes to 10 years from now, I mean, ideally I'd hope to be a technical director of some club. I, I want to be heavily involved in the development of these kids uh, and understanding that we need to develop the players uh, a little bit more and focus on that, especially with the younger ages versus the wins and losses. But at the end of the day, I think one of my biggest goals is just to be able to 
host charity camps where my kids that I'm coaching can run the camps and they pick the charity. Uh, I had a experience in Los Gatos where I had a player, a family that was dealing with Lyme disease and you never really know what everybody's story is. And I think we ended up doing a huge fundraiser for them. We dedicated two games, rallied everybody, decorated the fields for them and surprised them. And we ended up donating over a thousand dollars to that family. And for a lot of my kids, I just want them to be able to take their eyes off themselves and just see how we can pull in the community more. And so 10 years from now, I hope to have these camps running and the kids are running them and just being able to educate these kids to be leaders. Uh, and then I let them find out what they want to be passionate about at such a young age. So that's the goal in 10 years, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I love that answer. And I love that tie in because one of my favorite things about interviewing these 30 under 30s is to hear your story. And I feel like you cement your story with saying what you want to do in 10 years, Jessica. That's impressive. I can see you getting it done. Honor to meet you. Honor to have you on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Sep. Let me congratulate you one more time for being a part of this 30 under 30 class. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I've enjoyed this. Jessica Ingram, I enjoyed it too. Great times getting to know our 30 under 30 members. As you also know, we'll continue our Big Ten in 10. Today it's Michigan State women's soccer with 30-year top man Tom Saxon of the Michigan State women's soccer program and Laura Hybor, the all-time leading goal scorer for Michigan State. This young lady scored a goal while breaking her leg in a Big Ten game on the Big Ten Network. I don't know if anybody will ever break her records at Michigan State. Laura Hybor and Tom Saxton, Michigan State, Big Ten Women's Soccer in 10 to close the show after this message. College coaches, make sure your program is registered for the 2020-21 College Services Program. While the 2020-21 season looks much different than any of us anticipated, we are committed to providing benefits for College Services members year-round. The College Services Program supports and promotes the college game, including rankings and awards for participating programs, regardless of when your season is played. For more information or to register your program, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org college. Welcome to Big Ten Women's Soccer in 10, where we visit with every head coach for all 14 teams and one distinguished alumni, and we are going big time today. I'm Dean Linke, along with Hannah Davison, former star for Northwestern, now with the Chicago Red Stars. And when I say big time, I'm talking about 30-year top man for the Michigan State women's soccer team, Tom Saxton, and their all-time leading scorer by a country mile, 57 goals, 25 assists, 19 game winners. Laura Hybor Heat Heist now. She was on the Big Ten Network all the time. She was money. Ultimate finisher, Dean, as uh, I've been in this game a long time, as uh, you mentioned, and uh, she's the greatest ever. Greatest finisher ever, not a, without a doubt, and uh, very proud of her that she's continuing in the game as a, as a college coach now. So uh, just delighted to be here and delighted to be a part of this. And as Dean mentioned, you've spent half your life as a Spartan yourself. And players like Laura just don't come around too often. Can you just talk about how special of a player she is and the impact she's left on the program? You know, we knew right away from day one in preseason uh, how special she was and uh, just a, a, a great, great player, a great student athlete. Did super well in the classroom, but on the field from day one, just uh, the knack in the final third, just the instinct. It's not something anybody can teach. It's something she developed. I think probably in the backyard with her brothers, if you ask her, but uh, 
she just had that something special and uh, all we did was try to you know organize a team around her to put her in good positions and uh, after that uh, she took over and, and again as has been mentioned great success in that era for us laura high bore heat heist now and i know you're having success as a coach yeah we'll get to that but i want to talk about as you're wearing the green and white you've got your spartan colors on 21 goals as a freshman you see tom now when you think about michigan state what's it mean to you oh man i mean there's so much joy that comes back um to wearing the, the green and white, um, so much pride that comes with it. And um, just getting an opportunity to kind of reminisce and go back and think about those days is pretty special. So um, yeah, this is fun. This is uh, brings up so many good memories, no matter what, so many good challenges. Um, but um, in all things, it brings back the positive relationships that Barton um, has brought me and continues to bring me every day. And there has to be so many great memories that come with all that success, is there? one season, one moment, one goal that really just sticks out to you from your career at Michigan State? I would say probably that my, my first season probably sticks out the most, um, just because it's your first time being in college, not knowing kind of what to expect. Um, your first time putting on that green and white jersey. So I remember uh, quite vividly that first game against Oakland, um, just wearing that Spartan S and um, getting super excited about it. And then I think the next uh, game that kind of um, points out to me is my sophomore season. We played um, Penn State at home. I believe it was on the Big Ten Network, and we won in overtime. So um, Penn State is such a quality program that any time that you can steal some points from them is great, and to be able to do it at home in front of your friends and your family um, and on you know, DeMartin Stadium is, is pretty special. So um, being able to kind of notch that game-winning goal in overtime is, is one of the goals that sticks out the most to me. Tom and Laura, it's clear. I remember all the great goals. And as you said, Tom, she's a great finisher and she can do it in so many different ways. But unfortunately, I also remember the injury and I remember just my heart sinking down to my, my stomach, Tom. What do you remember about that injury sophomore year? And then Laura, you can also comment on that. Yeah, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a pleasant memory. Obviously, it was a, a horrific uh, collision. And, uh, you know, it, 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 honestly, I get a pit in my stomach thinking about that day and, and yet, uh, I'm inspired because, and always have been, because Laura handled herself so well. It was a very severe break, uh, and remember being in the hospital with her and, and with her family and, and making the decisions and to have surgery. And then she had a long road back and just showed such great character and perseverance. And uh, you know, it took a while, but uh, got back out on the field and, and just. And, and finished out a fantastic career with, you know, more scoring accolades and more All Big Tens and more All Americans. So, you know, the, the, it's a overall, it's a great story of uh, perseverance in sport, which inspires us all. So, I'm very proud of Laura, and I'm, something I'll never forget the the tough day it was, but more importantly, remember the the return. And uh, she did such a great job, and and, uh, and uh, again, I'll never forget it. Yeah, kind of thinking back to it, I remember remember that game quite well, um, also, and I think. If I didn't score on that exact play that I got injured, maybe it wouldn't uh, be as sweet as what it turned out to be. Um, but yeah, getting to score while going through something, um, you know, quite dramatic like that um, kind of adds a little bit to it. But I think uh, for me, it just made me a better player um, because now I got used to being on the field all the time. And I was in a different situation where I had to learn how to lead and learn how to uh, kind of be a coach in a way to help my teammates and to pick up on the game in a different way because now I'm I'm trying to figure out how to be utilized on the sideline. Um, so there's quite a lot of time 
and effort put into the recovery, um, but I got to learn about the game in a different way. So I got to kind of see some of the X's and O's that I didn't necessarily get while I was on the field. It sounds like this injury may have primed you for now being a head coach at Waynesburg University, getting to see the field on a new angle. What aspects, traditions, cultures that you experienced at Michigan State have you tried to now cultivate at Waynesburg being the head coach? Yeah, so um, Tom is an educator. He is somebody that is going to teach in all ways um, and continue to change how he teaches. Um, and so I try to take bits and pieces of how Tom teaches and like some of that comes from um, different road trips we take. He would teach us about the school or about the city we were in or um, things that have happened around. Um, so we try to do our research a little bit here um, at Waynesburg where I'm at now and just try to teach a little bit in that way. Um, and I think the staff brings a challenging side, but also some fun. Um, so our pre-game talks were always fun that, you know, you could usually count on a weather report of how things were looking and kind of count on um, our associate head coach, Tammy, to bring in some fire with her pre-game talks. We try to try to implement all of those things and bring them here to, to where I'm at now. Tom, you know how important an assistant coach is. You already credited your assistant coach with bringing Laura here. Can you imagine having your assistant coach, your husband, and then on the reverse side, Laura is also the assistant for her husband for the men's team at Waynesburg University. How about that? I think that's such a cool story, and we've enjoyed having Laura and Brad back to work our camps uh, uh, as they took over that program out there. And it was ni every, always nice to see them every summer. Um, We'd sit at lunch at the calf, and it uh, it was it was really cool and and and, and uh, inspiring in many ways because they they uh, get along so well together, and and uh, I'm sure there's challenges. Uh, you know, I, normally coaches get to go home to a, a kind of a separate life, but uh, I don't think uh, Laura and Brad can probably ever ever escape their career uh, when they're together 24/7. But I think it's a cool story, and they're both great soccer minds, and they're doing such a great job out there. And Laura, the Big Ten has obviously produced a lot of professional athletes. You are very well-versed in the professional world, starting out in the WPSL and then being one of the first players that paved the way for the NWSL. What advice would you give to any of the current Spartans or your own players on how to take their game to the next level? I would just say continue, continue down the road. Um, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be times where you're feeling on top of your game. Um, but you've got to stay consistent. Um, and that's with training, that's with mentality, that's with um, nutrition, getting enough sleep, enough rest. Um, you know, the women that are playing today in the pro league, they're, they're doing everything day in and day out to be there. Um, and I know how much sacrifice and commitment it takes. And so I think just being willing to commit yourself fully to that process, um, that's gonna be the best way to get you there. Let's end with a quick soundbite from Tom and Laura. Tom, you have spent more than half your life at Michigan State. When you think green and white in one sentence, what's it mean to you? People, without a doubt, people. And we have, uh, you know, we're known as a blue collar uh, kind of institution and uh, the people work with each other, work hard and uh, don't really need to be, uh, have a lot of attention paid to them. So it's always about the people here at Michigan State. And for you, Laura. I would say moments. Um, you're always going to have your moments, no matter what they are. If they're on the field, you got to make them and you got to take them. And you're going to have moments in your relationships and being intentional. Um, so whenever you get those moments and those opportunities, you got to make the most of them. You provided so many great moments, 19 game winners, 57 goals, 25 assists, the all-time leader in Michigan State goals, assists, and points. 
at 1.39. Tom and Laura, thanks so much for being with us for Big Ten in 10, Michigan State Women's Soccer. I want to thank Tom and Laura and all of our great guests. I also want to thank Sean Chevrolet and Mike Knipper. For each and every one of them, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. High school coaches are presented unique challenges both on and off the field of play. The United Soccer Coaches High School Diploma, now delivered in an all-online format, supplies coaches with the knowledge needed to perform the distinctive role high school coaches play in the development of young players. This updated diploma takes a look at the ongoing duties of the high school coach and how to better prepare them for the responsibilities given to them in that position. For more information or to register, go to unitedsoccercoaches.org education. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.